Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review last night's episode of Monday Now Row. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Raw is Triple X. And a bit of uh, housekeeping here. If you do hear some weird noises in the background, it's not Uncle Howdy or anyone like that. We're just having a bit of work done here at What Culture Tower. So apologies for any of those sort of inter- uh, interruptions. But what a show we had last night, Michael Hamlet. That old Triple H, eh? <laughs> taking the piss. No, he knows how to book a special, doesn't he? Mm. Uh, the last Raw I enjoyed this much was the season premiere, uh, when there was also a lot of shortcuts he could take with segments that aren't typically related to the, uh, I was going to say the stories that take place on Raw, but where have they been? Like, last couple of months. Uh, I loved this episode. Like, we're going to wax lyrical about the first hour, especially. Mm-hmm. But I was not nervous. It's only Raw. But after the quality of that first hour, I did think, right, here comes the really steep drop-off. And truthfully, it didn't. Like, I had a good time with almost all of this. There were flaws. It's WWE. It's raw. But I was so high, so incredibly high on the quality of the first hour that even the stupid, like, very, very typical WWE segments didn't sting as much as they typically would. And honestly, I was quite impressed in what felt like... Like, we've talked a bit about Raw 25 lately, obviously, Mm. natural comparison. Some of this, it it wasn't. It absolutely wasn't that. But just because it was fresh in my mind, some of the segments felt like response booking to how (laughs) bad that was. There was one in particular, an obvious one. But, like, yeah, like, this was... This was far from a wasted two hours after the first really good one, and that's not been a staple of the three-hour Raw era. The first 45 to 50 minutes of this television show were God-tier booking that delivered to me the exact same feeling I get when AEW was operating at the peak of its powers or when New Japan, for very different reasons, mind you. Different content, same feeling. My God, the first 50 minutes of this were fantastic. I was so snarky in my head. When I saw the um, the blue dabba dee babba da <laughs> video, it's like, well, come on, Triple H, how many moments have you genuinely booked that you could add to one it's of these good video videos? Good videos, well, isn't it? Like politics free. There's people from every yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. There's no. Aye. How many moments have you booked on this show during your tenure? And it's been six months at this point, and there are elements of dynamite of the first six months that you could put on one of their five year anniversary specials, for example. How how much have you done that is truly worth? 
adding to this highlight reel video. God damn it, he did about four in the same <laughs> segment. It was unbelievable. Ugh, I thought the rest of the show was Genuinely, I thought it was just there and there were actual disasters and stuff that just bored me to tears, made me roll my eyes. But that's good. This nostalgia cannibalization is dead and buried. (laughs) And usually what the, the, the impetus to do these shows in the first place, other than Raw 1000, which was a loving celebration, subsequent to that, the impetus for the show was Everything else we do is terrible. We need to get Ron Simmons to say, damn, otherwise we're going to get another terrible rating and we need a jump, we need a spike. It's so much better that all the nostalgia on this show I couldn't care less about and I've seen it a million times. The best thing about this nostalgic celebration of Monday Night Raw was an incredible storyline that we are getting in the present. I haven't been able to say that for years Mm. and years and years and decades so I prefer it to be this way around, quite mm-hmm. frankly, and I'm very glad it was. Uh, I've written in my notes here, the best opening to Raw ever. I would like to clarify that fact for anyone who's maybe getting annoyed and writing an angry treat, tweet right now. It was the best opening to Raw ever, about a minute into Monday Night Raw. Just miss off the, yeah. the first minute, but mm-hmm. um, I, I loved this show. Uh, I thought the way they handled the legends and them interacting with current stars was a vastly different and a vast improvement, as I'm sure we'll get into, and to some of the stuff that they've done in the past. Still don't appreciate the legends coming back and literally saying to these stars of right now, however you feel about them, who are you? Oh, that'll, that's a good sell for anyone who's just yeah. tuning in. For, it's, all reg- it's all in all. Yeah. Regardless of that, like you say, I just... I was so excited to come into work today and talk about this trial and subsequent title match where well, I sat here yesterday, and I don't know if I actually said it on the podcast, but I basically was, there is nothing you can do that makes me want the Judgment Day to lose this title match. And then they found something, and they executed it perfectly, and they got us, and, well, let's dive into it. Let's start Monday Night Raw. Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart come out, um, and his mic doesn't work, which was a real blessing. Uh, <laughs> he he gets booze, but I couldn't work out if he was getting booze because of his history as Hulk Hogan or because his mic was a bit buggered and the Philly crowd weren't happy with that. Bit of a cheat code bringing Hulk out straight away because it's like, well, you're going to be so jazzed that the show's starting that you can't possibly turn on a, a reprehensible person like Hulk Hogan. Uh, and then he just, when he finally gets the production assistant going, just use this one, Hulkster. He drops the, what are you going to do when the when Hulkamania and the Philadelphia Eagles, they're our local sports team, I run wild I, on you. I love the idea that he was more likely than not raging as soon as he got backstage. What yeah. a note of triumph to start this show. That stupid old bastard's microphone didn't work, and you can tell he would have been miffed mm. when he got back in the gorilla. It's I, I just, on this just really briefly because it's like it's a bit heavy weather, but it's like good to get out of the way, and then we can just get on to enjoying like, yes. fix, yeah, some yeah, fiction. Yeah. Some no, fiction. we should dwell on the fact that they did this. Well, like yeah, because f- Hulk Hogan and f- WBD. Sorry, World One, but like we've this is all in the shot. All I could think about when Hulk Hogan came out here, based on the week, based on the week, was everything that's been discussed about forgiveness, atonement. Yes. Like, where wrestlers fit in. There's been a lot of jokes about the... There was that particular poster where I was like, wow, this if I, the return of legends. And it was like, wow, that's the most racist poster ever. And I'd like Hulk Hogan on it, Undertaker looking like the Undertaker and the rest of them. 
And there's Hogan. And we know it's out there that that apology was pathetic. And this is not, I'm not trying to do like a comparison game. It's wrestling. It's pretty hideous business behind, mm. the, behind that curtain. But like Hogan's whole deal was uh, gathering the roster to say, hey guys, make sure you don't get caught. Yeah, like yeah. I did. So, so as I got rumbled, basically, rather than like everything we've heard about these stories about mm. Jay Briscoe. And then the news comes out today that even Mark Briscoe can't get so much as a mention. I don't know ridiculous. if he, I don't know if he particularly wants to appear on television or no. anything, but he can't be mentioned by name. This ridiculous circumstance that AEW find themselves in as, as re- pertains to Jay Briscoe, and I just I couldn't get away from that comparison. And we've we touched on it on the Dynamite review. It's all it's all Hogan star power and a networks two networks actually USA and WWE WBDs capitalist choices and the ethics debate has never felt phonier ever. And like in this particular week, in this seven day period, when one thing can't happen on a Wednesday that can on a Monday, and it just that's what yeah, immediately just came to mind when Hogan is used, as you say, to open the show. I don't really resent people like almost like an involuntary reaction to Real American dropping, like you're kind of stuck with like your ways a little bit. But and I don't resent fa- a lot of fans booed Philadelphia and Florida, like a tip to the cap to both of those places now that have let Hogan have it. But I resent the kind of like dark forces at work here that give you mm. one thing and not the other. That's like, but. I know that's like, I don't know if that's, like, if there's a place for that conversation or what, I don't know. Before we get onto the positivity, I do want to have a bit of a moan as well about the fact they had that brilliant raw video package mm. with the Blue Devil D, all the great, great moments, and, you know, people like Chris Jericho on there, people like Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson on there. And then I think the Bella Twins have got a very valid point that they're like, yeah, we'll do that, but we can't mention Sasha Banks or Soraya or anything like that. Or, you know, they're not here. They didn't didn't do anything. A bit hypocritical, all that. Anyway, right. Let's get into the show because um, it's time to acknowledge my tribal chief. The bloodline comes out and they just get, obviously, a huge pap and then deafening Sammy chance. Roby, get out of the way. Where's Sammy? Where's Sammy (laughs) in all this? Uh, And he's looking very morose. He's, He's... Solemn. He's got the trial of Sami Zayn to come, and Roman Reigns gets in there, uh, and there's the table, and he's at the head of it, and Sami sat on one side, and uh, the Usos are sat on the other, and um, Paul Heyman's the prosecutor, and Solo Sikoa is the executioner, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, ECW chant. Obviously, they're in Philly. Paul Heyman acknowledges that and says uh, three letters that are very important to me, uh, but. My tribal chief, ECW's dead, and I wish the same for Sami Zayn. And I was like, oh, cool, so coming out of the gate pretty hot there, <laughs> uh, Paul. Great line. Yeah. He calls Zayn a Judas and a betrayer who has conspired with Kevin Owens since day one. Not the pay-per-view. Zayn has been leading them on, so they feel like the fans of the checks back of guitar. Philadelphia Eagles, who are about to get conquered by... They're playing the San Francisco 49ers, and I did like the just happenstance that I assume the quarterback of the 49ers is called Brock Purdy. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. great stuff. Um, He says Sammy's been conspiring with uh, Kevin Owens. This is an open and shut case. He's got exhibits all through the world, loads of exhibits, uh, but he can simply show you four pieces of footage that demonstrate Sammy is guilty as charged. Uh, and he shows August 12th when Sammy Zayn runs away, as you would when Drew McIntyre wrecks the Usos. He shows August 29th um, when Zayn didn't help Jey Uso in his match with Kevin Owens, which Kevin Owens won. He shows November 26th, War Games, where he's celebrating alone, doing the four life thing uh, on the top of the cage, not celebrating with the bloodline. 
And then his piece de resistance was December 23rd. Sami Zayn is yelling his adoration and love and dedication to the bloodline and slightly brushes past Roman Reigns, <laughs> to which Hayward extrapolates, you want to kill your father? You want to kill? <laughs> you want to castrate sons? This was an ass- assassination attempt of the head, so he could become the head of the table. It was blatant. The prosecution rests. If we go through this whole thing without getting your thoughts, and we'll no doubt miss something. Your thoughts on the prosecution, first of all. The Brock thing was absolutely inspired. The um, the lengths that they've gone to, as Sami Zayn pointed out, this is a character assassination, mm. which makes his whole, like, the content of his promo very, very ironic, was so good. It was such carny, sneaky way of trying to frame him, basically. Um, he was banked the rights on running away. Um, but, you know, they've all done that to a degree. So I just, yeah, this is magnificent. You're completely inspired. Like, end to end. I, like, I think we're quite fair on how sometimes Paul Heyman is a bit boring. Like, he's, his delivery is always incredible, but sometimes... a cheat code, Andy. A little bit. There's not always a lot of meat to it. And I thought this was the total opposite. His delivery was fantastic as usual. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Brock stuff... Like ECW and then thrown in guilty as charged. Like he got to have fun with it in a way that didn't feel like, oh, best acknowledge that and then crack on. Mm-hmm. Like he just folded it. And I was like, you can trust him to do. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't love this more. Like I was so, like, yeah, we're going to fly all over it. This feels like reviewing AEW because there's so many things you want to praise or talk about. Um, like, you know, I accept that anytime they do these segments and somebody, a character has sat down with Kyle O'Reilly to get the videos ready, you kind of have to spend your disbelief <laughs> a little bit. But, like, I'm particularly impressed with how I'm so willing to suspend my disbelief because I'm particularly impressed with them having these clips and then framing them around a court case when presumably they might have done some of it to frame it around a family gathering. I was trying to work out here what got kept and what got lost. Yeah. Because this is what, like, three days' notice to come up with this? And how much were they able to, right, can we repurpose this into that? And a lot of this didn't feel at all repurposed, and that impressed me more. This was so impressive on that basis. I tweeted, the mega fans will forgive me to the effect of how do they do this at the 11th <laughs> hour? And it made me realize they might not have. Was the plan originally, oh, you know, it's an acknowledgement ceremony. Was it going to be a bait and switch for Sami Zayn where he's going to be like sort of arms around Afrin Seeker Rikishi <laughs> and giving it up and uh, acting very, very oozy only for Roman Reigns to say, you're actually on trial. And this is Oof. why. Was that was it a bait and switch Could all be. along? I was wondering if it was Because this gonna... was just... I'm putting it over because this was so good. Yeah. Is it an apparent, air quotes, 11th hour replacement segment? I wondered if it was going to be like, so you still had the two sides, like Heyman and Jey Uso, let's say. Um, the acknowledgement ceremony, like Sammy wants to be acknowledged and the evidence is used against him to say why he can't. And then yeah. like, well, but here's this, you know, and like mm. you say, like, but the pivot either way was fantastic. Like the clips, it, like that, that one, the specific one about, how can you have a go at him for that slight little shoulder dust like against him? It was particularly inspired, but just the tone. Like the tone was immediately set for this is like the fix is in now. There are baddies and goodies within this like stable because people are capable of having multiple emotions. So the characters felt way more complex than just about anything else on this show. They watch the TV. Yeah. They watch the TV. So I'm gonna be a complete dick. And I am. <laughs> it kinda took them long enough. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But my God. 
Watched it this on was, down. This was the epitome, the epitome of better late than never. Yeah. In terms of the characters actually watching the TV. The bloodline binging SmackDown over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and just recognizing the inherent flaw of WWE's um, approach to storytelling. This is the epitome of better late than never because if you're going to belatedly resolve so many plot holes, the fact that there's still a delay is a plot hole in itself. Mm. If you're going to do it, do it in an angle like this because it was unbelievable. I've got one more pedantic flaw, but the rest of it will be a celebration, I what promise. What a week to stick that one on um, AEW with oh the God, thing that, as well. Like, what a week to do Honestly, that. Honestly, I've got man. whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> I just love assassination attempt. The only thing that would have made that better is if they'd replayed it going forward and to the left. <laughs> just shoulders slightly moving. But... These are examples of Sami Zayn very slowly realizing his agency and mm-hmm. ambition. Mm-hmm. So he can confidence within, which has been given to him by Roman. Yeah, but within this, yeah, within this context, I like the fact that as well when the prosecution rests, he hoid the mic into Sami's lap. Yeah. A lot of stuff like that that we talked like about the contract, the contract on on SmackDown. Anyway, Sami gets up, says, "Look, I had this whole defense lined up, laid out in my head." But one thing I didn't count on was how I was going to feel when I came out here. Listen to you, Paul. After all the hugs and the nicknames you've given me, it hurts. It hurts bad. Uh, you know, I've watched you craft, get all this evidence. How could you think that? Everything that's gone on and you still don't see it. Everyone else, everyone in this arena, which I'm sure all the guys in the back would have loved, acknowledge the audience. Everyone in this arena, yay! They see it. They've seen it all. Such a brilliant way to divide up the cheers versus a heel stable app, by the way. Aye. Like, look, all they're doing is backing up my point. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that almost, like, frames the fans as part of it. That would, like, frames our enjoyment of it as part of it. So he says, everyone else has seen it, but you, you make me sit here and put me on trial to defend myself. So I don't have a defense. My defense is I have no defense. And he throws the mic away. And Roman's fissing. Let me get this straight, says the tribal chief. You have no defense. You have got so much ego, you won't even fight for this. So much that you can't even argue for yourself. I let you into this family, and this is the respect I get. Enough. Solo, he says. And I'm like, what's going on? Stop, no, no, no. You know when you're like... I, was, I don't know why I thought of this, but the the spoiler alert, everyone. If you've not, I know, seen I know exactly where you're going Thrones, for this. Yeah, the decapitation scene in the first season of Game of Thrones. They go to do it, and I go, no, 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 not yet. Obviously, wait, 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 and it's already happening. I love the. It's the point where you know the show's special. Yeah, because that had some. It falls apart because it doesn't have the guts of that first season. Ultimately, yeah. He Solo's walking over, and I'm like, stop. Let's talk about this guy. Come on, no, 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 no. Solo heads over, grabs him by the lapel, sets up the the spike. It's funny you mentioned decapitation. That thumb looked like a blade. Yeah, that thumb looked like a knife. That was such an effective <laughs> visual. Like he's gonna do it. He's gonna. This is it. And who's the person who steps in and stops Solo Sokoa from, let's say, it, decapitating Sami Zayn? Jay Uso. And hit the button. Hit the fucking button. Oh my god! <laughs> An unbelievable twist genuinely heartfelt moment that got me in the gut away from the twist and the emotion and the character work here on a technical level the shot composition here was magnificent like they get a lot of pelters Mm -hmm. and justifiably so for their nausea inducing like 
inexplicably terrible camera work. Like, no one in good faith understands why they do this. This shot was unbelievable. Yeah. You, you gasped. I, I, I gasped. It was a, it was a right. shot that engineered the gasp. Yeah. Uh, and Jay says, look, no disrespect, but I've got some evidence I want to show. <laughs> I thought, what? Hold it right there. <laughs> Can I be slightly pedantic before we put this over huge? It was a, used the same, like, was it a Law and Order font? Dun, dun, yeah. Used the exact same thing as Heyman. It was a bit... <laughs> trial is a trial. And the idea of them doing videos a bit daft. It's fine. It's yeah. WWE. It's fine. I was, like, the idea that knowing that there was a trial, Jey Uso wanted to do everything he could for Sammy on the quiet. Like, he didn't know that Heyman was going to do that, and he didn't know that Sammy was going to sacrifice his own defence. But he loves him that much at this point that, like, he's... I'll prep this as a just in case, as a fail safe. Yeah, I've got this. I, I love that, like that internal detail that I could establish in my own head for this. So he shows June third, where Sammy's in the production truck, and that allows the Usos to defeat Riddle. He shows August nineteenth, when Roman's going to get claymored by Drew, but Sammy pushes him out of the way and takes it for him. Shows again September ninth, where this time it's Solo who's going to get attacked by Drew McIntyre, and I think it's a chair shot from Drew McIntyre that Sammy takes this time. Shows December 9th, where Sammy stops Sheamus from getting involved in the match. I think that was the title match, wasn't it? Stops him from getting in to break up a pin, and of course he shows War Games, where not only does Sammy stop the referee counting to three, he also low blows Kevin Owens, Haluva kicks him, and says, "There you go to Jey Uso." And Jay says, look, it's right there on tape for the world to see. Sammy's taken bullet after bullet for this bloodline. He's basically bulletproof. Everyone knows my feelings, how I felt. I despised Sammy. But Sammy saw the good in me the whole time, never gave up. And that's what family does. And he says, Sammy Zane, I love you like a brother, Roos. 100. Sammy was trying to neg him, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind, never mind. I'd have watched that footage. Never mind. This was, other than that, genuine plot hole. So good because they're watching the TV. Not all of it, but they're watching the TV. That's convenient, which is kind of enough for me. Um, this was the best possible use of exposition in yeah. WWE history. They think you're thick. <laughs> that's why they do the things that they do. This... It was the most elegant recapping of a story that doubled as a celebration and an advancement of it. The best, uh, it just, the use of exposition is to remind you of what happened because they think you are stupid. This, there was a degree of that here, but it was also so unbelievably purpose-serving. Like, simple stuff, this. Five bits of evidence to Paul Heyman's four. Mm. And with the exception of the, like, the very first one, uh, of the, like, pressing the buttons in the backstage in the truck, which I thought was going to play magnificently into how he's helped the Usos beat rated RKO, and now he's going to have to... Like, later on, I thought that was going to fall together beautifully with the tag title match. All of them are, like, really dangerous physical exploits that Sami Zayn's engaged in in order to serve the bloodline, in contrast to Paul Heyman's pathetic, flippant <laughs> bits of circumstantial evidence. So they were just such a perfect contrast to one another as well. The... Like, did I get emotional? I got, I reacted emotionally in the right way at the throw, throw the ones up. Oh, like a sea of ones. That cut to the crowd and the ones to Sidgwick's point 
was the clip that Triple H submits to the Raw yeah, 35 yeah, yeah. video package. Throw your ones up. Like, that's Daniel Bryan. Who's yes, the judge? Triple H. <laughs> it makes the taper. It cuts to like a 2005 him with a yeah. lightning sash and a wig. Remember when I was the judge of the tribal court? But yeah, like that throw, that panning shot. Like, how often have we talked lately about, like, WWE crowds hate WWE. What's that about? <laughs> they didn't hear. Like, this is exactly yeah. how wrestling should look. It's a live arena show. Yeah, he gets the, everyone put your ones up if you want him to oh. stay in the bloodline. Jimmy does it. So Sokoa doesn't. But then he doesn't really care about anything. He's a mercenary. So Reigns gets up and says, Sammy, you are not guilty for now. Thank Jay, he says. He's bought you more time. In the meantime, finish out tonight, make the bloodline proud, and then I don't want to see you again until the Royal Rumble where you will have your final test and we'll see if you're really bloodline or not. They leave. Sammy hugs Jimmy and Jay about half an hour into this show and it's jaw-dropping. It's seminal. Mm -hmm. It's great broken. Like, Sammy doesn't need to be on SmackDown now. Uh, and you've got or Kevin. he could, and when he's not meant to be, that's the thing. There's so many directions this can take now. So they promoted Kevin Owens and Solo Sokoa, and I thought, oh, Sammy not being there is good because that he would almost certainly have to help now, especially because he's going to be zeroed in on. But he's not at SmackDown now. But he might get ideas above his station, having really helped them imminently, as we'll get to mm. and do it. This is this isn't even one of those storylines where, like, you know where it's going, and you're just thrilled to be on the ride. Like, you don't, yeah. and lots of logical outcomes can take place. Like, I've been hesitant to say it's as good as CM Punk versus MGF, and quite frankly, I've been knocked. The invisible camera's right there. <laughs> <laughs> people suggest it's on that level. This feels like a twist um, in the same tier of quality as, Jesus Christ, is MGF a real baby face, actually? <laughs> it feels like there's another twist to this. And I can't wait to see how like it all transpires. It's really It's not as good as CM Punk versus MGF. I agree. But I agree it's not, yeah. They're, yeah but what is? Well, and the characterization and the layering at this point of Sami Zayn specifically, we saw on SmackDown last week, like categorically, Roman Reigns are just a gaslighting piece of garbage. Like <laughs> they've they've done away like they've done away with the ambiguity there because we're on to what is obviously the last chapter. Like here we are, we're reaching the climax. But I thought and it kind of went away by the end because of everything that would follow. Sami Zayn was the point at which the abused party of a situation like that just has to get away. Like, I can't defend myself. Go on, someone spike me. I'm, I'm done. He was mentally starting to check out the bloodline because even he could acknowledge that he can't be what Roman wants him to be mm -hmm. anymore. So why, why face that? And then when he gets saved, he is empowered yet again to remain part of this. He'll be part of it just that little bit longer, even if it's only Saturday. I also think there's something quite delicate that's been done here. Saturday was really put on a pedestal. Like, this was good build for the Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns match. You know, we got a little bit more of it later, but this was pretty strong go-home stuff because they've obviously set you up for something huge on Saturday in this match. And doesn't that quite nicely lift Sami Zayn out of the Royal Rumble conversation and do away with that worry about Cody Rhodes mm. as well? That Daniel Bryan-Batista situation that people were speculating on. I don't know if Cody was going to have to face that, but he might have done this presumably kind of makes it all, like, all eyes are on the title match for Sammy and all eyes are on the rumble for Cody. And you've, maybe not, maybe we'll see, but I feel like they've maybe dealt with that yeah. potential issue as well, which is pretty smart. Uh, and then that was immediately followed by the Raw Tag Team title match. And I it was just, it's, when it's good, like you say, I was like, what are they going to do here? How do you suddenly go, right now, 
we're going to have the titles change hands after everything that's just gone on. And obviously, I think one, I think it was you who said on Twitter, what a great, or maybe just in the office, a great way to pivot and be like, yep, uh, Uso's babyface now. That George was it. Medea, Judgment Day, biggest heels in the company, Uso's babyface. Do like WWE, I couldn't get over how much thought they'd put into me. Like, is there anything that might ruin this, like, ostensibly quite hot match we've booked? Well, the fans don't theoretically like either team. Well, we'll just make Usos the top babyface situationally for the benefit of this mm. one match, which worked an absolute treat for the drama as well. So, yeah, it was uh, the Usos um, taking on da- Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. They're part of a group, aren't they? They're, they're in... The they're f- in the f***ing judgment day. Yeah. So it's everybody else at this point as well. I'm not. No, I like them enough. Yeah. Stupid, but fun. So you're not in Judgment Day, so you'd be on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to divide people up. Uh, oh, uh, Rich should start doing that at the gigs. Yeah. Are you in the Judgment Day or on the other day? <laughs> Just everyone leaves after this, the other side drops. People tweeting us saying that they're singing that out at Aldridge gigs is the best. It's the best. It's the best. Uh, so early on, Jimmy kicks Damien Priest to the outside, goes after him, but gets in it, into it with X Condom, which is always dangerous uh, to do, obviously. Uh, chins him and then gets pounced onto the announce table. Um, Priest does a great flip dive onto the outside and then comes back and hits Jimmy with a lariat for a two count. In comes the star of the team, Dominic. Doomsday device gets a near fall. Uh, Jay comes in. The Uso start handing out super kicks left, right and center. Priest gets uh, counted for two there. Bala gets involved after Jay goes up top, but the referee catches him. You're out of there. Um, in amongst all this, Priest counters a splash into a cradle for a two count. Jay super kicks Priest. Jimmy hits him with a splash for a great near fall. Jimmy does a suicide dive, goes to get up, and his knee gives out. And the referee, as we all, you know, Markish fans that we are know, holds up the dreaded X sign. Out come the officials, and the air comes out of the balloon. Oh, no, not now. And Jimmy's helped to his feet. Jay's there. Sammy's there. And they start leading him out. And out comes Postman Pierce, who says, look, if you can't continue, I'm afraid you're just going to have to forfeit. Title's going to go to the Judgment Day. And I was like, not like this, Postman Pierce. Damien Priest, by the way, I'm not sure if many people caught this, was going, give me the fucking belt! <laughs> like this. And Sami Zayn says, no, there must be something else we can do. What if I take Jimmy's place? And in a brilliant bit of, like, callback to what happened in the gauntlet. But building. Building. Yeah, building. Building. Like, they thought of all of this five weeks ago instead of two hours before <laughs> yes. how wrestling should work. How drama should work. Yeah. How fiction should work. Pierce says, well, I did the same for the gauntlet. Fine. Sami Zayn, Sami Uso, you're in this match. Post Vince McMahon 2001, that is the best moment for an on-screen authority figure in WWE. Yes, it is. Uh, it is. Like these, these caricatures, these ludicrous creatures that just make up rules week by week as they go along. The best moment for an authority figure ever since, like, Vince stopped being good. So d- the mere announcement has people throwing babies. <laughs> yes! Sami Zayn in the match. He takes out Judgment Day with a dive, but uh, Priest distracts him. I bought about five different pinfalls in this. So Priest distracts him. Dom puts, it, puts him in a schoolboy. His oh my Kind of his signature move, let's be honest. Puts his feet on the ropes. Grab the tights, the whole deal. I, I was, that was it. I was like, I was waiting the kids off. We fucking done it, lads. <laughs> that two count, though. No. Ripley distracts the ref. 
Priest chokeslams Sami Zayn. Dom goes for the cover again. Another in razor thin two count. Jay gets back in. Super kick to you. Super kick to you. Super kick to you. Super kick to. Oh, it's Rhea Ripley. Oh my god. Oh my god. What was it you said? Put the whole. Put it back in the holster. I don't know how he holstered his whole leg. Like the the, the, oh. the, the non-delivery of that super kick was. She's still like, like do it. I yeah, yeah. Hit me, go on. So that allows Dom to shove Jay. 619. His father, Rey Mysterio, does that move. Yes. <laughs> He's our rival. <laughs> Frog splash. Someone else does that move. <laughs> Zane dives in at the last second to break up the cover. Jay gets, I think, sent into the ropes. It's a blind tag from Sami Zayn. Super kick from Jay to Dominic Mysterio. And suddenly they signal for the 1D. I don't know why my brain had broken at this point. And I was like, oh my God, the 1D, that's their finishing move as a tag team. And they hit it. Uh, Sammy plays the role of Jimmy. 1D to Dominic Mysterio. One, two, three. The Usos remain tag team champions. And we cut backstage and Roman Reigns, you just look at his face. Look how happy he is. <laughs> he just goes, well, he's made it through the night. <laughs> but I don't want to fucking see him till Sunday. Exhilarating. This is unbelievable. Magic. Like, just perfect. Dominic Mysterio was in this. <laughs> <laughs> like, Damien Priest worked his absolute arse off here. And I'm looking and going, how do you do it? Because I know the gag with the Judgment Day. We all do, right? Even <laughs> they know yeah. Dominic is useless. But that's part of the fun. Yes. Right? And that's indeed what got them to the dance, like in, in the, the tag team turmoil match. He, Damien Priest had like... The match of his life, part four, because he's doing this a lot in the Judgment he's Day now with great Dominic. Stuff. Their chemistry of like, right, well, I guess I'm going to have to do it then. The amount of times like Dominic did one or two things and Priest knackered would go, take me in, take me in. Like, uh, we're going to lose if you stay in the That's ring. That's enough for you, Dom. Yeah. For them, enough. For them to flip that and Dominic be the one responsible for most of the near falls at the end because now it was Rhea carrying to because Damien had done as much as he possibly could. And yet then maintain their integrity as heels. It never felt like they were going on some sort of hero's journey when we were watching a double turn. If they were going to do it, they were going to bastard their way to these belts. And, I th like, the construction of this was unbelievable. Like, the thought and care, again, made even better by the opening segment. It did aid it, but I still feel like they could have done most of this without that because of the way that all of these characters are so well-defined at this point. If you set up a roster with a bunch of characters you believe in or you're at least clear about who the type of people they are, good guys or bad guys, this is what a wrestling show looks like. Most of it on a Wednesday does. Some of it on a Friday does. Like, there is another show doing this all the time. It does kind of beg a belief that WWE insist on booking so many other characters a different way because <laughs> you can have a minimum of two matches on Raw that look like this every single week. But this was, like, the best version of that, too. I couldn't love this anymore. I don't know if I'll see an airfall as good as the Dominic Mysterio feet on the ropes one. Genuinely not. Like, I, the... Um, the Uso splash was pretty good for the two count where they nearly won. But again, like, how did they have any right to give you another act that you didn't see coming in this tag match? I, I, I don't know how they did this. Like, here's, here's how good this was, Sige. I'm going to go back and watch Raw tonight. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <clears throat> Deft, ah! dovetailing, booking. Hit the button. Hit the button. Hit the button. Hang on, I've, I've done something else to set a gimmick up for later. Oh my god. This was deft dovetailing booking. This was absolutely incredible. The decision to say this one's just for the Raw Tag Team titles. What an unfathomably brilliant, dramatically effective working. They worked my 
absolute arse off here <laughs> into thinking the title switch is happening because why do that? Or to enhance the drama immeasurably yeah. and to make this match involving Dominic Mysterio incredible. Bloody good quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Like about four or five near falls where I was gasping. I was gasping yeah. at Monday Night Raw. I praised to the hilt the Rampage Battle of the Belts um, special um, about a fortnight, three mm-hmm. weeks ago, by saying, look, you've got Mike Bennett, you've got Jay Lethal, and you've got Kip Sabian, and you've got those two hours. That's what separates a yeah. genius booker from someone who plays it safe and is very good. All of this, Dominic Mysterio was in it. What a blinder Triple H has played with Dominic Mysterio and Solo Sikawa. It's, I know it's January, but like these days, the standard's so much higher. This is the WWE match of the year so far. Yes, of course Dominic it Mysterio, is. Dominic Mysterio, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I love it him, is. but you know, come on. <laughs> this was unfathomably brilliant Deft dovetailing booking from Triple H, I will say that unironically. And, and a crowd being loud. A crowd being crowd loud. Super into it. With enthusiasm. And, like, if you've ever watched Wrestling With Shadows, or is it Beyond the Mat where this exchange takes place? I think it's Wrestling With Shadows. They're setting up something similar to this and how it advances so many storylines at once. Pat and Brett talking over Canadian Stampede. It's can- Canadian Stampede. Yeah. Um which was not too dissimilar in that they are trying to um, definitely dovetail lots of different story beats and tell different stories with different characters. And it's all very situational. Like, there's a lot of parallels at play here. And do you watch Brett and Pat talk about what they should do? You know, you know, you get that no good motherfucker and you do all this. And you're watching a conductor who just knows how to tell a story. Just go bang, 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 bang. And fucking do it because he was brilliant. You'll do for me, Bonnie Lad. <laughs> Pat Patterson tier like booking. This is unbelievable. I couldn't scarcely believe how incredible this was. And it's it's something that's sprung to mind as well. You know how like this was what was so smart about the raw titles as Sidgwick's articulated on several podcasts, like it created the drama. You called it yesterday. Uh, they've given you like the swerve of them retaining. Yes. That's the swerve is because they've set up a way in which you believe so much they can lose. Like I've visualizing Dominic Mysterio carrying the belts around that like now they'll win and that'll feel even of an even bigger twist. That's subverted all of this now. Sami Zayn has just rescued the raw tag belts for the Usos. Is it the raw tag belts they take away and it turns out to be the SmackDown ones they lose to another team as a result of this tournament? Oof. Like you've added tension to something else as a result of this, because the Usos now don't need to go. We have lived in a universe for 24 hours where the Usos don't need to go into WrestleMania double-strapped, but who's to say it's the Raw belts they lose now? Like, you've created that alternate well, so timeline. If you, get, if you make, put red and blue together, what, do you, what color do you get? Purple. I did think about it. Between Akada and... <laughs> Dominic Kiyo- <laughs> Shut up, man, you dickhead. You Between Akada and Kiyomiya, that works you brawl. The trial of Sami Zayn and the um, press conference breakdown between Omega and Osprey. The thing I'm most impressed by in wrestling in general is uh, angles. For years and years, obviously, you had a Carter and Omega and the uh, Tanahashi and Suzuki. It was match quality. And then you realize, right, okay, that's uh, it's kind of easy to work a four-star match. The level of talent makes it impossible not to do that. And then the advent of AEW just got me high as hell on unscripted promos again. And it's got to the point now where I'm looking for angles. Mm. I'm looking for stuff that gets me fired up for what comes next at this point. And AEW needs to start with the game. I think they will because the revolution build is starting to intensify. But my God, like Tony Khan needs to get the angle magic back. 
because he needs to compete with this. Like he needs to compete with WWE promoting Dominic Mysterio in an angle. <laughs> it's not even a one, is it? Like Bloodline have had four or five of these quite soon. Like when we reflect on this feud in years to come, there'll be yeah. four or five checkpoint moments where this feud was oh, the it can't, get, it can't get any higher, and then it does. And then mm. the t shirt coming off yeah. was cinema. I felt so sorry for him. <laughs> like a genuine You allowed yourself to get gaslit by Roman Yeah, when yeah. produced the other shirt, you're like, Oh thank God, thanks, Tribal Chief. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely stupendous opening first hour of Raw. Yeah. And then it was pretty rubbish for me after that. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, speaking of which... We're going out tonight. It's poker in the back. Exhilarating opening hour of uh, Monday Night Raw. And then we go backstage, and there's JBL. <laughs> He's with Baron Corbin. They run into the Godfather, who's very happy to see JBL and doesn't even know who this stooge Baron Corbin is. <sighs> Barry Corbin, I think you might have called him, actually. Uh, they want to get into the poker game that's under APA. Um, Godfather has to check with the owner. It's Ron Simmons. In comes Ron, obviously ecstatic to see his mate. Uh, and he goes, yeah, sorry, his name's not down on the list. He's not coming in. But then, uh, oh, a bit of bit of flash and a bit of cash. That gets him in there, and the gag is, of course. <laughs> it's just a doorway, guys. You just walk around it. I like that. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was like massive, the then. Massive bit of self-deprecation of how stupid these things look to the pe- people who think about them too pedantically. That Genuinely, that door. Like, you know, in Damien Priest, there's a Scott Hall entrance now, and then he kind of, like, points up to the sky. Like, that door is a little bit of a Chris Kresge one for me. WWE used to operate on a different level comedically. Yeah. And, like, that door was part of it. Like, when everything was fun before Steve Austin came back. Yes. That's when like, Foley was in those ridiculous... Yeah, his office would be in, like, a toilet, and he had the yeah. commissioner shirt, where it was, like, commissioner was too big a word yeah. in the T-shirt. Door law. Door law. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't a forbidden door. <laughs> they show rule throughout the years in picture form. Uh, and <laughs> then... Roll his eyes. They've gone, um, they've not come back. Then it's time for another uh, WWE legend. This one, of course, LA Knight. Yeah. Can I just bury the Baron Corbin thing? <laughs> oh, God, sorry, yeah. So Baron Corbin, like the Godfather, and Simmons are like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? The default is that everyone who did business in the Attitude Era is just so much better than these assholes who came after us. And you should be grateful, you hear, that we were there first. And how dare you stand where I stood? Yeah. So that's the default company philosophy, and I hate it. So when FTR, Sandow, 
and the rest are buried by these dickheads who never actually drew money. They just existed at the same time as the guys who did. I hate all this. It is even more stupid that they would act this way towards Corbyn, right? Because via his association with JBL, he's meant to be the embodiment of yeah. what the old values were. Yeah. And you smart fans with your flips and your stupid chants that you do can't respect the Baron Corbin and it disgusts JBL. He embodies the values I used to carry. And then everyone else just thinks he's Barry. It's, so everyone thinks he's an arsehole apart from JBL. It's the stupidest one of these they've done yet. But don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. Because um, at least no one got buried. People had to like, have standards. This is the most well-financed wrestling promotion ever. They could hire actual good writers and listen to them and create these incredible stories. You could have Bloodline out the ass for three hours on every Monday if they use their money in, a, in, a, in an effective way. And I saw people, when the DX spoiler alert segment... Just because Triple H doesn't pedigree someone, well, no one got buried. That's great. It's like, it's like honestly, someone watching a comedy sitcom, a sitcom. You go, well, the TV turned on. Great start. And that's just the thing that's meant to happen. <laughs> what was, that what, what was the only of the week? Something's happening. Something's, something's happening. Something's, yeah. happening. <laughs> something's happening. People are not standing still. There's a storyline here. It's like you have. You cannot praise that. I will not accept that as a bit of praise. So not only will I not accept it as a bit of a praise. Well, no one got buried. That is great. Well, the TV turned on for the sitcom. That's essentially what you're saying. You know what my favorite book it is. is so it's got words on every page. Yeah, <laughs> it's so unfathomable that that even happened. That you cannot therefore praise it when it doesn't. Get some standards, please. Not only that, but they buried Barry Corbin. Barry Corbin. <laughs> so, uh, LA Knight's in the ring. What was his line? I'm feeling so much of a man that there should be, only, there there's, should be two of me. Yeah, there's so much man that there should be another one standing next to me or something like that. What a f- guy this guy is. He calls Bray Wyatt. A grown man in cell who plays with puppets. Amazing. Yeah, again, we say this every podcast at this point. This storyline has worked wonders for LA Knight. Yes. Like... <laughs> He's tired of all the spooky bollocks. He's not the only one. Uh, he talks about Bray living on past glory and all the legends that live on past glory. That was a bit harsh. Like, he never had any glory. And if any of them have got a tingle in their loins, come on down and I'll give you a preview of the Mountain Dew pitch black match <laughs> at the Royal Rumble. And nothing happens because, of course, who the hell would have the balls to take on this guy? And then the Undertaker's dong hits. Duh. <laughs> But that suddenly shifts to, ah, I'm making me And he pushes his mountain bike out there, doesn't he? I'll just step back here for you two, because I know you love this bit. Oh, but not the, probably the reason that the people are expecting. Or maybe actually people, yeah, actually. Loved LA Knight. Loved LA Knight burying Bray Wyatt again. Like, him out, just out in it as spooky bollocks, nonsense, the whole deal. Like, he's going to lose at the Rumble, but who cares? Yeah. It's like the worst kind of audience surrogate. Yeah. It's too effective. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's like, thank you for speaking for me, LA Knight. Uh, loved The Undertaker. Loved, right? Uh, how you could see the front wheel for a bit and then nothing. Jesus Christ, that lasted like four hours. Like, talk about three-hour raw dragging. That one wheel not coming out from under the entranceway. Like, I just picture The Undertaker going, God damn, Mike. And then he gets it. Obviously, you can... I understand you cannot go, like, full speed against... He's not brocking a tractor. He's not very protected if he, you know, hits that ring. 
but just him Fred Flintstone in it. <laughs> like there. I am American badass, walking slow, don't want to cause damage, got to get in the ring. Like, just so funny. Like, the cool thing about him, I was never an Undertaker guy, I don't know if that's ever come up, right? <laughs> I'll say this for the American badass, because a lot of people think that guy was goaded. Like, when he could speed down a ramp, it did look pretty ace. Like, when he could just rev it and yeah. go. Like, there's, there's some... The Judgment Day when the... Yeah, his first comeback, oh, the WrestleMania yeah. 17 big ramp that he's got to use. Like, I cannot fault it. Like, it looked pretty great. But, like, Steve Austin's nearly turned the arenas inside out on a stupid little boop boop ATV because he's unafraid of causing a bit of damage. Undertaker, man, Jesus Christ. Like, I've seen Cora Jade go faster on a skateboard than him on that <laughs> motorbike. Bloody hell. I mean, great. What a loser. But, like... And, and as well, if I'm now thinking Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 could take him, I'm pretty sure Riley Knight could take him. Yeah, well, this is the thing. So Taker circles the ring in his bike, uh, and LA Knight just gets out of there. And we guess he's got a mic with him, and he says, uh, you know, Taker, I agree with you. <laughs> that look locker room is soft. Uh, what did he say? I heard you on Joe Rogan. <laughs> the locker room is soft. LA Knight, definitely. The character listens to Rogan. 100%. Uh, and he says, uh, top of that list of people being soft is... Swifty? Uh, <laughs> so uh, Remember that from Enzo? His <laughs> Bray Wyatt. Uh, but not, not LA Knight. A, uh, he says, hey, think of, the, uh, think of the headline. LA Knight sends The Undertaker to The Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He's going to give Taker a pass. He's going to let Taker live and enjoy retirement and family. But hey, don't forget to watch the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match at the Royal Rumble. Uh, he's backing out of there. Yeah, have your moment, Taker, blah, blah, blah. But then the lights go out. Called himself, uh, I'll be the Lord of Darkness now. <laughs> That's awesome. That LA line was great. Like, show me the T-shirt. Uh, there's a spotlight on on uh, night. And, of course, then the lantern's behind him. There's Bray Wyatt. And Bray's walking towards the ring. And LA Knight's backing off. And he backs into the ring. Turns round, grabbed by the throat for a chokeslam by Taker, but he shoves him instead straight into Wyatt, who hits the sister Abigail. Uh, the crowd lose their minds with this moment between the two of them. And uh, see, the Undertaker whispered something to Bray Wyatt before he left on his little beep beep bike. Well, on whatculture.com slash WWE, pretty much right now, I suspect... I've written an article entitled Five Theories About What the Undertaker Whispered in Bray Wyatt's Ear. Scoops, I've heard. They'll be on all the news sites later on because, like, it's got sources. You've slowed it down, haven't you? And you've I've, slowed down the yeah. f- I've slowed down the footage. I've lip-read. I've taken screen grabs of uh, the Undertaker's facial expressions to study his body language. Enhance the audio. Enhance the audio. And I have screen grabbed a certain frame of this and it yields some compelling evidence that the Undertaker thinks Bray Wyatt's useless. <laughs> I know, right, that the Undertaker's not really a happy go lucky guy. He just isn't he's a miserable bastard. Right? As I said in my <laughs> article actually <laughs> that the Undertaker's not quite an emotional guy. He likes fighting. He likes guns. <laughs> he might tear up the flag, but don't you tell him he can't <laughs> Right? <laughs> I only not tear up a flag to tape up my fist with it. <laughs> so the idea is that he's endorsing Wyatt. But, you know, there might be some other things at play here. Is this our role blathering? Yes. <laughs> and then you can uh, read to, you know, maybe sort of find out what those deeper things yeah. are at play. But can you remember that time? Right. And I was, it might just be the Undertaker's face. He's such a miserable bastard that like he doesn't smile. Not a ha-ha, not a hee-hee. 
Should we go and watch that's a one-man show? That's me doing George Costanza. No, if absolutely work, not. If work, pay for it. I'm Shut not. up, I'm on a roll. Um, you go, oh. That's how I imagine The Undertaker, if he finds something like piss funny, <laughs> yeah. he can't sell for joy because he's the Undertaker. Oh. Good one, Charles. I'm going to play some fucking dominoes. I knew was coming. Right. Bun, so it might... Bones with the Yoko. It might just be his face, because that's what his face does. But there's a moment where he goes, hey, Brie, we're only going to keep the fort down. We're, not, we're kind of the last guys to be these supernatural assholes. He's like, he's basically doing the endorsement. <laughs> he's basically doing the endorsement. And he looks at Brie like this. <laughs> like with contempt. It is the exact same... And again, it might just be his face, right? The exact same facial expression etched across the Undertaker's face after Goldberg nearly killed him in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> he sits up and he's like, oh, God, well, almost died. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> and it's the exact same look at his face. He looks at Bray Wyatt. So I think, honestly, he's meant to be saying, oh, don't mess this up now. You're here. This is what, your 12th chance, your 14th chance? Don't fuck this up on Bray. These supernatural guys has got to stick together. Um, <laughs> What so look? Oh, this God. is absolute sacrilege to the people. Who went, oh my Spooky God! Solidarity. Look, the crowd went absolutely. The crowd went nuts. Loads it. of other people like this. Um, gonna begrudge them their good time. Look, this is over. I didn't like it. This is really over. Yeah. People thought it was super cool. It's fine. You like it? Great. Please allow me, in turn, to hate it, and we'll all just get along famously. Okay. Um. So I, I think the message was a stern bit of tough love. Like, come on. I'm counting on you here to be a spooky guy. Keep the lore alive. Um, just a few notes on the lyrics of American Badass before we move on. Oh, God. I'm an American badass. Watch me shock. You can roll with Rocco. <laughs> Podcast edit. So that's the fun bit, right? Okay. That's the bit of fun we're going to have. I'm going to end this total burial of The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt on a genuinely serious note. Now, I have not listened to the footage. As we know, it was a radio edit. But in the wake of Jay Briscoe being unable to wrestle or prohibited from wrestling, mm -hmm. despite being contrite, despite atoning for the horrible thing he said, despite people within wrestling vouching for him time and time again, like he's a changed man, he understands the error of his ways. Okay? He had Hulk Hogan on the show. Okay? One of the lyrics... God. Two, uh, and it's a trigger warning because it is homophobic, um, so if you just want to miss this bit, the next 30 seconds, right? Okay. One of the lyrics, let me just get this up, from American Badass by Kid Rock is, The underground stoned effing pimp with tracks that mack and slap back the whack. Never gay, no way, I don't play with ass, but watch me rock with Liberace Flash. Awful. Never gay, no way, unless it's a very, very heavy, heavy radio edit. If you listen past the pop, there's a good chance you might have heard that lyric on USA Network. And I'm not saying, well, Warner's goaded. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the double standards are everywhere and mm -hmm. they disgust me to my core. That's the thing, isn't it? That's and it's like fine, Kid Rock. Oh, that's an old song. Kid Rock's a star. The Undertaker, who you know, might have committed a hate crime on SmackDown in 2003, by the way. Oh, he's allowed. Yeah, it, it's the ethics argument just falls down with even the tiniest bit of scrutiny. This isn't a, 
AWWE culture war. It's not even a network one because they're all they all suck. They're all, they all right. suck. Yeah, it's no good. Um, I was gonna like it feels pointless now to even suggest this, but I saw obviously the Bloodline segment getting a lot of credit for um, this being a, a rewrite or a hasty like how we're gonna rethink what we're gonna do. Didn't see uh, the Undertaker segment getting credit for the same thing because uh, I'm assuming if Rikishi was in the building, we'd be getting some BS keys. <laughs> The boys from the BSK, Godfather's here. Henry Godwin's on the plane on the way over. We're going to get together, Prince Domino, we'll get our tattoos out. Maybe kiss. Yes, that. That, 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 <laughs> as, that as well. So, uh, they had to do this on the on the fly. On yeah. the fly. So, Roy is well. XXX, okay. So, uh, you know, backstage, all the lads, all the lads are backstage, catching up. Savio, you said, was there. It's all the BSK. Yeah, catching up, reminiscing, you know. And uh, JBL is like saying to the Undertaker, hey, had a bit of a poker invitational. Would you like to play it? No, man, I'm playing Bones. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the Bones invitational on Raw's XXX. Bones invitational. If there was a shot, here's a Bones invitational for The Undertaker. <laughs> Why don't you suck my cat? <laughs> I would do, I genuinely think Chad Gable versus The Undertaker. Because in a you game are of a bones. horrible human being. What? I'd like to watch Chad Gable versus The Undertaker in a game of wrestling and him, him with a German suicide. Yes, that'd be incredible. Watch what happens. I, so, but speaking of the Alpha Academy, they were backstage playing poker with Alundra Blaze and DDP. That's a sentence I don't think I would ever say. But uh, Gable folds and they go, what are you doing? He goes, smartest move. <laughs> I love that man. Uh, Blaze has got a full house, but DDP has got a straight. That doesn't win. What about a straight flush? The uh, the belt, as what she was putting in. You know, we see people with the car keys and things yeah. like that, and her having the woman's title. Yes, on it, you can have that. That's nice. Yeah, good little touch there. Yeah. And then it was finally time for the steel cage match between Becky Lynch and Bailey. Oh boy, didn't happen. Um, their entrances, but uh, Becky Lynch gets attacked by the entirety of Damage Katarl. You know, Triple H in a very sorry. Um, just on you know Undertaker and Jay Briscoe and all the rest of it. You know on um, television, Triple H as if it would be the worst thing in the world to be accused of. Went, I ain't no queer, mm. and he was on the show. Yeah. Mm. Damage guitar attack Becky Lynch, beat her up. Out front racism at various points in his career. Oh, yeah, don't forget about that. Never loads forget about that. Loads of it. Chuck her in the cage, lock her in there, hit loads of moves on her, basically. She's laid out. Postman Pierce has to run down with officials, bolt cutters. By the time they've opened the cage, Becky can't do anything. And Damage guitar is celebrating atop the steel cage. We subsequently discovered the reason that they've done this is because they probably would have got about two minutes for an actual steel cage match. So, preferable to that, I suppose. This happened because the opening segment ran long. I don't really have as much as an issue with with them cutting this because I think, A, that opening segment was perfection and I'd rather them do this and do an angle and be like, we'll just save it for another big roar than in we go, boom, 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 one, two, three. I don't disagree with that in theory. However, like, and I thought, again, we're talk- it's coming up a lot on this, like, on the fly, not a bad angle when they've seen themselves in a jam timing-wise. When you look at what the main event was and what the finish was, could you not just cut that out like three minutes? Big table spot, boom, boom, boom. Here's your big surprise, here's Brock. Can't just and- let Triple H not be on the show? Well, yeah. I, like, Can I have had Triple H in a PR move say, look... Um, they weren't short of fat to cut after the cage. It, yeah, they ran long for the quality of the opening segment. Sometimes these things happen, and it was for the betterment of the show. But cut something else later on. Cut Triple H out. Yeah, it's funny that they did that. 
It's a shame that this Stay happened. Stay backstage, actually proving you're worth there for once. <laughs> yeah, because this was immediately followed by... It's probably Paul Heyman who did it. There was a thing that Triple H did that I'm looking forward to talking about, though. So. Yeah, so out come D-Generation X, the usual gang, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. The steel cage thing was a disgrace. Yeah. It was a total disgrace. And look, I, you know, it's probably not the time to go two-footed on the performers who were just scrambling to have a fight. Or I thought the beatdown was so bad. Yeah. Just didn't feel like Becky Lynch was in any peril whatsoever. Sorry, go on. Outcome D-Generation X, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, X-Pac, Road Dog, Kurt Angle. <laughs> for a split second here, huh? I went, <laughs> for a split second, I went, are they just not going to acknowledge this? Are they just going to be like, all the gang's here, and Kurt, because he's just becomes part of factions. That T-shirt had never looked redder, had it? No. Like, I really like that. I, I like this. <laughs> where they're going, bang, yeah. Kirk, and the, the exes are going up. And he's like, yeah, that's what we do, guys. <laughs> Only Kurt Angle can get away with this, basically. And I can't believe I'm doing this. About to no, do this. No. I'm going to give credit to Road Dog here, because I thought he had brilliant comic timing and for once in his bloody life. He goes to do his usual spot. I'm not going to try and do it. Road Dog, Jesse James, the better. And he freezes, <laughs> and Kurt Angle's like, Hey! Oh, here I am! I'm like, what? Why is he Andrew Dice Clay? <laughs> Call Kurt. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? They say to Kurt. And he says, oh, I just, I just really wanted to be Degeneration X, if I'm honest. I've never considered the Kurt Angle stable LTST. They just look. Like, I can't wait until they put him in the Judgment Day. Like, they just like, have him bounce around. You in the bloody Judgment Day. <laughs> I give first stable I thought of every day of my life. And Angle removes his shirt, and he's got a DX shirt on there. And uh, they say, all right, but you get a pass the test. Uh, Can you tell anyone... And weirdly, including infants, because it says children of all ages. Can you tell them to suck your cat? <laughs> That's a test. Triple H says, children of all ages. Yeah. Let's get ready to suck it. It being my penis. Not on. So he says, are you ready? And Kurt Angle, again, I love him. Is that a test? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they do. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best version of it. Uh, but well, actually, before they can do that, outcomes. Cedric's been DX for ages. He got in that day. That's when he passed the test. Outcome. Writing a book, like creating, like, we the ones podcast in the United Kingdom. Uh-huh. Finally working out what it meant. <laughs> it's the pinnacle of my career, I think. Uh, so they get interrupted by Imperium. Uh, out comes Gunther with Ludwig Kaiser. I got praised by Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega on main without me atting them. But finding out what it meant. <laughs> that <laughs> decades-long mystery. Ludwig Kaiser and two men known for their pro wrestling foresight knew you would eventually figure it out. They did. That's why they put you over. Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser says, shame on you for all that filth and nonsense. Yeah. He's been great, Ludwig. Gunther says, you're degenerates. Why are you out here celebrating yourselves? Why are you making a mockery of this great sport? We're here to restore the honor of this. Kick them out of this ring unless he wants to do something about it. And I thought, oh, God, no. I was exactly having flashbacks to the revival. And, oh, cool. Gunther's going to get pedigreed. But Triple H, you get your little uh, thumbnail moment. Triple H nose to nose with Gunther. And he goes... Yeah, I'm retired, dude. 
HBK goes up. Nope, too old. I'm not doing it. X-Pac's got a bad case of shin splints. Or does he? Hey, maybe they'll be fixed by Saturday. Oh, Can but hope. I've tried to manifest it on two different World Culture <laughs> articles. Love that guy. Uh, Road Dog, he's not down for that either. And Triple H calls him Butterbean. And that's the moment I knew Vince McMahon was back. Dentist boy, cereal boy. Triple H has lost his chair, so he calls Road Dog fat on Raw. It's like he's got a, that's bullying me again. Hey, Road Dog, you piece of <laughs> shit. Uh, and uh, they go into a little DX huddle, and uh, they try to be like, "Go on, you fight him, Kurt. Don't don't tempt me with that." Like Prime Kurt versus Gunther. Oh my oh, yeah. god! But anyway, uh, Angle's not doing it. Triple H's like, "Ugh, bit awkward." This. If only there was someone who's willing to come out and fight. How appropriate. The button on the soundboard is luminous green. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, cool. Just to, I see, uh, press it one more time just to check that it is. It's luminous green! <laughs> Two things I loved about this. Number one, you know how, like. You didn't bury Gunther. No. <laughs> I can't uh, X-Pac has said before. That like he wouldn't want to go out there and embarrass himself, and he genuinely cares about like talent actually getting a chance. In contrast to all of his arsehole mates, mm-hmm. basically, he's always felt like the baby face, this group of dickheads. And he's like, I don't know if he knows how close he's got the mic to his mouth, but he's uh, singing along with it. Whoa, whoa, and it's Xbox like gravelly voice, you know, which is just quite sweet. But also, there's some LTST here because do you remember the infamous picture of like DX and the Click having a cuddle and Seth Rollins being stood to the yeah, side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I finally earned the friendship. Whoa. Like, he's got in. Finally got in. And uh, X-Pac's like, right, it's all well and good, but there's three of them. We kind of need a tag team. Right. And uh, the Street Profits come out, um, and they all go, right, go on, Trips, make it a match. And he goes, oh, God, this booking stuff ain't easy. Uh, but you make it look few. harder than it is. Yeah. Do one thing. Banana Nose Circus. <laughs> um, so who on earth are they going to get to book this? Teddy Long comes out, gets a nice reaction, and uh, makes it. Uh, a six-man tag player. Lovely. That is a nice little touch, I thought. It Uh, would be a lot more endearing to me that they are mocking their incredibly contrived way of booking with like, oh, I just happen to have a referee T-shirt on and here's Teddy Long. And if they didn't do this on the television show all of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like that's DX the nostalgic bit. Like this is nostalgia for last week when they booked something on the fly. Later on in the show? Yeah. Sonia Deville just walks out of the match then. Oh, bare knuckle fight. Angle just with like reducing t-shirts like one of them Victorian dolls is like a great touch as well. How many did he put on just in case? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so HBK, yeah, says we need someone to keep this chaos <laughs> in control. And they go, piss off, Kurt, you're not properly in DX. Kurt's like, I've got an idea, guys. And he pulls off the DX shirt and he's got not just a referee shirt, but a red, white, and blue referee shirt, which looked great on him. Uh, and Triple H, yeah, it's official. And then they had to ruin it by putting Jerry Law on <laughs> They're on commentary. Uh, yeah. uh, do you know what annoyed me most about this? Taking the piss out of the commentators, who were, um, well, it was obviously Corey Graves, mm-hmm. and his um, the main commentator was, oh, sorry, lads, one second. Kevin Patrick! You missed that one, didn't you? It's a celebration episode, after all. Wearing the same jacket you wore on the first Raw, said Jerry. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
I like my attire and my law, but bloody hell. Um, Kevin Patrick's jacket was goaded. Like, <laughs> sorry, but you know. Um, Triple H, like, Triple H is like a Sasha Cruz stan for Gunther, isn't he? Like, at the moment, like, with Vince being back especially, like, you know, when those Twitter, like, screaming, like, eh, protect me at all costs. He's like, he's protecting Gunther at all yeah. costs, isn't he? When has he ever done this for anybody? He's got his whole gang of dicks to, like, back down from <laughs> Gunther. It's going to be at eight, 8 o'clock. Sorry, blah, blah. But like, like he's, edit button. he's never ever looked after a talent with him in with him in the frame quite yeah. like this. Like, um, well, speaking of Gunther, early on, Seth's dominating, goes for a springboard and just gets chopped out of the in air by uh, Gunther. Body slams Seth. That takes us to a break. When we come back, Montez Ford makes the hot tag uh, and starts chopping Vinci. Uh, Ford and Dawkins. The f- there's a photo of this. I think I tweeted it earlier. The face on Kurt Angle when Ford and Dawkins put Vinci and Kaiser in ankle locks. He's the proudest dad ever. <laughs> uh, that comes in though and just boots both of them uh, and gets in Angle's face. Again, don't don't tempt me with that sort of thing. You get a little shoving match. Uh, Dawkins and Ford hit dives. G- Rollins goes to ones, gets cut, cut off by Gunther. He power bombs him. That gets a great two count. Rollins comes back, hits an angle slam. That gets a baby, of course. Um... And they hit Kaiser with the big double-team blockbuster. Gunther eats a pedigree from Rollins and rolls out of there. Uh, Dawkins hits Vinci with the spine buster. Ford hits that huge frog splash off the top. Uh, and Rollins curb stomps in one, two, three. And the, the good guys celebrate with angle. Imperium are having a week. I'd not really thought about how much I'd kind of miss seeing them as a tag team. But between this and the SmackDown match, this like they elevated this from being fun, but just wrestling happening in front of me. Like This was fun house show stuff for a celebratory show. But they're a real cut above, and it's nice to see them like getting a bit serious again for that like SmackDown tag tournament. You would have seen, yeah. This is a nice breezy watch. Wasn't blow away great. Again, like if you, if you, why is self aware and not at the same time? Mm. Those are two things you can't be at the same time. It's Chris Jericho, but an entire yes, show. yes, entire yes. Show. That's a great take. Uh, that's annoyed me, but I also <laughs> I love that. I love it when you see or read good stuff. Oh, I should have had that one. No, no, this annoyed me, the segment of television. I thought you meant I was like, we're talking about Oh, no, 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 usually I'm an arrogant prick. Like, <laughs> but uh, no, 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 this annoyed me and I liked it at the same time. Is it like a Twitter thing? I woke up and I saw that, I was like, oh, I wanted that one, actually. <laughs> I <laughs> no, can't remember what it was. Something you tweeted. I was like, Tony Khan takes over WWE, presents Evolution, but it's like 20 minutes because he only has <laughs> one show. It's a great handful of tweeting, I didn't think of it. Which, sin- which has since been undermined by WWE booking. None. <laughs> They just. Don't worry, there's one today. Yeah. Oh yeah, they got one. They got one in this one. Bless them. Um, Corbin. Not not on SmackDown. No. Corbin wins a big game with loads of aces, uh, but then shows bloody IRS. He says you got to pay your taxes and takes it all, but all but a hundred dollars basically. And Rod Simmons walks in and says, "Damn." Yeah, with Ted DiBiase there, I check the paperwork. Yeah, yeah, me too. Kathy Kelly's chatting with Bobby Lashley, who's fighting in the main event. No DQ match for the United States Championship. She asks why it's no DQ, and he says, well, that means no excuses. He can't get himself DQ'd and escape with his championship. I can't be blamed for what I do. Look, the only reason Austin Theory's still champion is that bloody Brock Lesnar. Thankfully, he's not here, though. Uh, I'm going to tear Austin Theory apart. In comes MVP, and he's like, yep, no doubt you're going to win. And then we, we're all, we're all going to go out and celebrate. And he says, I, I don't need help from you or Omos or any... I don't want any business, any shenanigans here. I can handle business on my own. God, how many times did I have to say the word business? Uh, I have to admit, like, yeah, the hurt business doesn't do much for me. 
I thought this was quite impressive hiding the result in plain sight from WWE. Mm. The no DQ plus the out and out mention of Brock. That's not a bad misdirect from them, especially because of what we know them to be. Better misdirect than direction, because God, I don't want to see a third match between them. It's a waste of Lesnar, I think. Well, I thought they were done with it. Like, I know they did that non Unless they're going all the way with Lashley, which I don't believe to be the case. Yeah, the non-committal finish at, was it Crown Jewel? Yes. They were leaving something, but I, yeah, I kind of thought... Because yeah, it was the Rumble, Crown Jewel, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of more into the, um, into the gun to the pictures, if I'm honest, but... Way more into that. Yeah. But I just, it was a nice way. Like, I, I didn't then think, well, that's Brock coming in the main event. And typically, WWE yeah. really on quite thick. Uh, here's a sentence I think I'd be saying in 2023 there. It's time for Ric Flair to come out on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Thanks, us. Come on. Yeah. Styling, profiling. Diamonds are forever, and so is Monday Night Raw. Uh, anyway, here's my daughter. She's uh, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Holy sh! Here she comes. <laughs> I was good. I didn't want to leave yourself. Stepping on your own. Uh, Charlotte comes <laughs> out. <laughs> she talks about Raw being the place <laughs> where she went. She beamed on it. <laughs> uh, this is the place where she went from a diva to a champion. She mentioned the likes of Ronda Rousey, Brie, and Nikki Bella. So they did get a mention. Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Uh, they all helped to who become who she is today. Calls herself the most decorated athlete of all time. I wouldn't take that insult if I was one of them wrestlers backstage. <laughs> I'd do something about it. She calls, uh, she uh, says she's the SmackDown champion, but Raw will always be her home. Out comes Bianca Belair. She says, look, I expect you, but, you know, do what you do, but not here. I go here now, standing up for herself as Raw Women's Champion. She says um, she does all she can to make, Raw is the, make sure that Raw is the greatest show on television. This brings out Sonya Deville. Um, she says... Do you realize what kind of a big night this is? And you're just out here talking about yourselves. Um, speaking of yourself, speaking of me, in fact, uh, why don't I get the spotlight I deserve? I used to run this show. Where are my flowers? And Charlotte says, do you want to handle this, Bianca? And Bianca's Sonic like... Deville GM was goaded. <laughs> Bianca's like, happy to. And then we get the match out of nowhere. It's official. You can kind of see where the Bellatons are coming from if they saw this on the format, can't you? And they would have seen word for word because WWE scripts. Bloody awful. Like, Charlotte Flair, for one, felt like she was the DX to Bianca Belair's Imperium. That's not ideal for her. She's the frigging champion. This comeback's been a nightmare run. Uh, the promo material was absolutely terrible. Like, Bianca Belair should cut one promo a month. It should be a vignette. And then she should wrestle at big four events only. She is a star on another level and TV absolutely gobbles that up and this was yeah like I've said this quite a lot but this was just like more evidence of it because it's there every week to remind mm. you just have her doing assault courses assault courses vignettes massive stadium matches yep. and she would be no less over it's kind of the Roman Reigns philosophy without the assault courses yeah my god this match was nothing and it was so quiet I was the raw GM frig off like Jesus is that, is that your best frig <laughs> off I was I was the raw GM were you oh yeah like just uh, yeah yeah huh <laughs> And the other guy proved himself a better at the job early in an earlier segment on yeah. this show. And we hate him too. Yeah, back and forth. I, I, I've got no notes on this, really. Bianca just kind of hit the KOD out of nowhere and won. Strange and bad booking, because they have, at least as of last Friday, promoted Sonya Deville as the only realistic threat to Charlotte Flair's title right now. And she's just been beaten by the other champions. So what chance does she stand if they 
Christ alive, I don't think they will now add this to the Royal Rumble as Charlotte's opponent. It's fine as it is. Five oh, yeah, I'm not advocating fine, yeah. for that. But it's just, she's the only one they've lined up as a challenger for Charlotte Flair now, and she's just been beaten by the other champion. Mm. Uh, post-match, Belair's like, I'm going to beat your ass, Alexa Bliss, at the Royal Rumble. I don't care who you bring out. Uncle Howdy, Bray Wyatt, the Funhouse Playhouse. like that line. Uh, but then Bliss is there. You know she's intense, Sidge, because she's talking through a mirror. She's looking at the mirror, looking at the camera in the mirror, looking at herself in the mirror and looking at the camera in the mirror. Uh, she says, I've bloody told you, I'm your only obstacle. If everyone just leave me alone, <laughs> maybe I'd be all right. Don't need anyone to tear your face off with my bare hands, but I'll leave your eyes so you can see me walk out as a champion. Will, or, all right, ruled warrior hawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will you, Alexa? Will, I don't will think you do that. I don't think you will. I don't think you've ever seen anything close to it, quite frankly. Don't even connect on your dives. I, I, <laughs> I wanted so much, and I didn't care the comparisons to the Ultimate Warrior and Hogan. I wanted so much to pull back and reveal Uncle Howdy in the mirror. Oh, I thought it was going to be, really be Lily. Full-size Lily. Lily in the mirror. Full-size Lily. Lily. <laughs> you see that blobby outfit went on eBay for like eight to ten grand or something. Imagine like a Lily one. Somebody gets to be the Lily doll. By the way, <laughs> that's just reminded me. Yesterday... Um, the missus wanted to record a phone call uh-huh. and she was I can't bloody work it out how you do it on your own phone. So she went, can I just use yours and like put it on speaker and then I just record like that. And I gave her and went, actually ah, don't look at that for a second because I've got the voice member of me going, Lily on there. <laughs> All right, I thought that was going to go in a different direction yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, so did she. Uh, right. <laughs> New Cody Rhodes video. She's don't like, open the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Listen to the NXT preview. We've got a little bit of a surprise for you later. Well, I'm going to be on it, so I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> Subscribe, Sitch. Wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Cody Rhodes' video is great. Yeah, he goes through. Yeah, he's been working hard, hasn't he? Being in the rings like oxygen, I really need to breathe again. Having win the Rumble. It's really easy, this. Triple H got these vignettes in 2002, won the Royal Rumble as an absolute banker, and it was loaded with other people that could have won it. This isn't really that, and they've given him the same run-up. Do the thing. Like, do Just the thing. Just do the thing. You've done the work. Like Cody told you to do, you've done it. Just don't come in at like 26. He needs to be seen to have worked hard, particularly after the night Sami Zayn had. Again, again a different audience, who knows? Uh, out that, there's the Miz. Why is there no bloody Miz TV on this? <laughs> Where's my championship match? Where's my montage of moments? I'm a grand, I'm the first ever Grand Slam champion. <laughs> Shut up! It's been 30 years, Miz. I know you only debuted like 2006, but it feels like 30 years. I liked you for a bit. Actually. I did like the touch of having the crowd pop because obviously Conan is going in there. And Miz is like, thanks, guys. Yeah, exactly. That makes a valid point. Turned around, hit with a stunner, obviously. Uh, Remember oh, Raw 25 when them poor sods, poor sods, they were obviously quite rich because they paid four figs for the tickets, the assholes, uh, in the Manhattan Center were so bored that they sent the Miz there. But he just won the title in Brooklyn and he's here in the Manhattan Center. Why, that's a 20-minute taxi in this three-hour show. How's he doing it? Time travel? I Hulk Hogan working dates in Japan. Uh, those marks. How the Miz get here? Car. <laughs> Car. Losers. Paying a thousand quid to watch a look at an Ico Pro banner. <laughs> uh, so Owens cuts his promo. Uh, he says, You might have found Sammy not guilty, but you're guilty of having held the title hostage for over two years. Saturday night, Royal Rumble. I'm going to give you. I give you uh, and Roman, uh, or all of us, sorry, I give all of you my word that I'll do everything I can to change uh, the situation with the title uh, and give you all a champion you can be proud of. I'll guarantee, I guarantee I'll keep fighting until I've got nothing left. I'll take the title or die trying. <laughs> Miz gets up and gets stunned again. 
really great. Uh, Owens is a character that you believe, and I really loved the contrast of like how minimalist this was. Like, I'm sick of Roman, and I'm going to beat him for the belt, versus like a tribal chief trial, and Sami Zayn, and the whole regalia of the Lays, and all that. I was like, Owens has got in the ring. It's just a wrestling match for a title that I need to save, and I'm going to do it. Like, I love that contrast. This was good go-home stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. Really, really good promo. Yeah. Really good promo. Main event time, uh, no DQ match, the United States Championship. thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory. Um, Lashley's in control, obviously, because look at the size of him. Um, but because there's no DQ match, when he gets lifted up for a delayed vertical suplex, Theory rakes the eyes of Bobby Lashley and takes over. Um, sets up tables and what have you. There's a chair wedged in the corner, but then Lashley fights back and sends Theory into it, um, which just explodes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it just looked great, this. Uh, Sounds like the start of Dynamite. Yeah. What does that sound like? Uh, <laughs> no, no time today. Anyway, uh, Lashley goes after him on the outside. Theory's halfway under the ring. When he gets pulled out, he's got the fire extinguisher, sprays it in Bobby Lashley's face. Going out tonight. It's Monday night, you know what that means. <laughs> Oh, tell my music. Please play my music. <laughs> the beautiful people. <laughs> the beautiful people on Twitter. The beautiful people. The beautiful people on Twitter. <laughs> There's a lot in the box and so the breeze. I control it all. It's inside of me. You walk far past the boom sooner. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. <laughs> we go to a break after the fight scene, which is what we're nearly there. We come back. Last year, hits there with a super for a good time. Last year, hits there with a superplex. Uh, goes for a modified dominator. Oh, here's a modified dominator. Stop running. <laughs> Stop running. <laughs> 
Jim Ross, Tommy Wet Dreamer. He's Twitter and Instagram. I'll take them both because I'm hardcore. Right. Lashley hits a modified Dominator. Theory low blows him uh, as he goes for the hurt lock, though, with the little kick behind him. Lashley just picks him up and slams him under a table regardless. But both men go down. And then suddenly, Brock Lesnar's music hits. Out he comes. Gene's cowboy hat. Uh, gets down to the ring. Hits Lashley with an F5. Hits Theory with an F5. But Theory just lands on top of Bobby Lashley. One, two, three. Austin Theory retains. Bobby Lashley loses this as a result of Lesnar's interference. Who goes out just high-fiving the crowd as he leaves. Uh, quite the ending to the show. I, too, am not terribly keen on Lashley and uh, Lesnar <clears throat> as the WrestleMania... I think I've seen the best of what they can do. Yeah, as the WrestleMania direction for a single match. However, in light of how much they're pushing the uh, Hurt Business, and indeed possibly Hurt Business 2.0, can I interest you in Lashley and Omos versus Brock Lesnar and Goldberg? <laughs> yes. WrestleMania <laughs> opponents team together, oh, the whole yeah. world falls down because that match is the biggest thing WWE could promote. I'll take that instead. Because the Hurt Business are going to factor in now. They're going to be like Lashley's running buddies in this feud with Brock. So maybe that goes somewhere slightly more interesting than the singles. What would you make of this uh, finish? Uh, Again, I've I've got no interest in a third match. I think I've seen the best that they can do. It doesn't feel like a major attraction. Certainly that Gunther-Lesnar report has completely tarnished any investment I have in literally anything either man could do. So it's nothing on Bobby Lashley Mm, at all, who I still think is fantastic. Um, I've, and I said when it was rumoured, I don't think there's a match AEW could do that will get me as excited about Gunther versus Lesnar for my tastes. So, I uh, and the match, this match was just a pretty standardish no DQ plunder brawl. I know, like you're here to put Triple H over anything. Do you think he's trying to play a bit of political chess with this, and he's actually trying to get Gunther out of it so that the Intercontinental Title is not to sacrifice to Brock or lost for the Brock match? Now that Vince is kicking around and there's all this stuff about Lesnar. I'd rather work for Vince than you, Paul. Maybe. Like, do you think he's trying to I didn't, help him out? He's a. I just want to see that match. Mm. Uh, me too. Yeah. I was great. I was happy to see Brock Lesnar back. It was a nice surprise to to close the show. He's, we know this now. He's better as a surprise guy than an announced guy because he didn't even draw. So, yeah. like, this is the way to use him. What a show. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and the Dadley Boys coming back later on today to preview NXT. But for now, this has been the Raw is Triple X review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.